basically he said to me verbatim while I sat on that cold ass, hard ass table, um, Cheyenne, I'm going to be honest with you. In the medical community, we don't know shit about weight. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today, we are talking with Cheyenne Davis, who actually is also a podcaster. We've had a number of podcast guests on the show. Um, and sh- her podcast is called Weighted Words. Um, Cheyenne, do you want to just give like a quick, like one sentence or two sentence bio just so people like know a little bit about who you are? Oh, sure. Hi, um, I'm Cheyenne Davis. I'm 25. I identify as a black fat woman and primarily because that's what my work is centered around. Um, I am the host creator and co-producer of Weighted Words podcast, which is basically a podcast surrounding the sentiments on how fat women, primarily fat women of color and fat black women, how they feel about their identity and how it's represented or misrepresented in media. That's super interesting. Like I, I'm really, really curious about getting into like whether this is something that you were have always been comfortable talking about. And if not, like how Mm -hmm. like what was the process to getting there and kind of Mm -hmm. what inspired you to want to, you know, make a show around this and like talk to, you know, kind of talk about it in the larger public sphere. I had a lot of difficulties in my youth talking about my weight, primarily how I felt about it, because for the most for the most part, and from what I can remember, I've always been fat in some capacity. And again, fat does vary. Size does vary, as we know. Um, and I went to a high school that wasn't really inclusive. I went to an all-white high school, and most of the girls were concerned with going to Forever 21 and shopping in a section that I could never shop in. And there have been times, I can't even count how many times I've been out with like my skinny white friends, and they were like, oh my god, I feel so fat. I can't fit into this shirt. And I'm like, sis, I can't fit in the shit here. Like, like why the fuck are you telling me you fat? Like, so, I'm, you know, um, as I've grown into myself, I feel that I, I've grown more comfortable and more accustomed to speaking about these things because I'm seeing how important it is, especially not only for people in my generation, because I'm finding now that I have so many fat friends and even friends that are um, like through social media that always talk about how this was a difficult thing because they never really had a person to show them what it felt like to be comfortable in their own skin. So I feel like it's my duty as a fat person to really do that for, to, for the younger women, because again, it's really not about me at this point. It's about people coming up and how they feel about themselves. And I don't want them to, hop into the world and be like, oh shit, like I I can't feel comfortable about my body because people are constantly telling me that that's a sin. You know what I mean? So that's pretty much how and why um, I got to get to a place, I got to a place where I felt comfortable and that pretty much prompted the genesis of work like Weighted Words and other um, ancillary projects. Mm -hmm. Would you say that you in this moment, like in present day are like completely comfortable or do you still kind of struggle at times Mm. with body image? Um, for, if we would put a numerical value to it, I'd say about I'm on a good day. And this is saying a good day about <laughs> a 97.5 because I, nice. I feel great in my skin. I love who I am. But then there are times where I do have some body dysmorphia or feeling like I shouldn't be fat or I need to lose weight. Or if I feel pressured from like, you know, sometimes family or friends that are that are constantly being engrossed in losing weight. Sometimes I'll feel compelled to feel the same way. But at the end, all be all, I feel like I'm okay in my skin because it is who I am as a person and I've lived in it. Yeah, I feel like I'm probably around like a 75. Okay, (laughs) you know, I'm most I'm like, I'm like, you know, as an adult, I'm very much settled into the idea of like 
this is just how like this is how I'm gonna look and like <laughs> and like right um and also I like I firmly like an wholeheartedly believe that you know like all bodies are dope bodies or whatever and, mm-hmm. you know and I try to project that you know like I feel that way about other people it's harder to project it on yourself correct correct oh for sure and I would definitely um, agree with that too because even for me I, I'm always supporting other bodies and again like you said everybody's a dope body and that's totally valid and real but when you kind of look in the mirror yourself you don't always take those um those feelings and project them onto yourself which can be a difficult thing so again yeah. i just feel like these feelings fluctuate and i also feel like body positivity and especially for yourself is something that's constant you always have to work at it because we yeah, don't always feel the same about ourselves even bodies aside we don't always feel the same about ourselves at every given moment in our lives um i guess i can kick it off with sort of the first um question for Cheyenne. I'd love to hear you talk more about um, your experience as a fat woman of color and how you've, and like how that kind of differs from maybe the experience of like a fat white person for, for okay. that way. Cause I, I, I haven't really like thought through that intersectional lens and I have ideas, but I'd love mm. to hear your take on it. Um, well, first and foremost, we have to understand that white people have two things we don't have privilege and power. Um, mm-hmm. And when you even though they are oppressed from a size standpoint, they still have privilege as a white person. So let's, those things may not affect them as much as they may affect me, because, again, they have that extra cushion that I that we don't have mm-hmm. um, as a fat woman of color. I feel a lot of times I feel like we're misread, misrepresented and misunderstood. Um, so those are basically the three M's of my life, um, because, <laughs> um, because I oftentimes feel that especially when it comes from a media standpoint there's a lot of disconnects between or disconnects i should say between um how we look and how we actually are and how the world perceives us so for example when you look at shows like um insecure i don't know if you're familiar with insecure but there's a character named kelly on it um who i actually love kelly but i feel like she doesn't have a lot of depth and yes she writes her own natasha rothwell writes her own character but i feel like compared to the rest of the cast, she's kind of lacking. Number one, a lot of times, and not just her character, but then others, they over-sexualize fat women, especially fat women of color, to make it seem like they're desperate. So, for example, when we look at shows like The Parkers with with Monique, which is one of my favorite shows, by the way, Mm -hmm. she was always chasing after Professor Ogilvy, which is her love interest, and he didn't start loving her until she chose to love herself first at the end of the show, which is like maybe five... (laughs) <laughs> to six seasons later like so it's like she didn't she ended up with him but he decided to choose her out of nowhere it wasn't like he chose her first that's number one number two um it's there's never depth and a lot of times even in just other fat representations it's always about um losing weight so again when you have a weight loss driven storyline coupled with a character that doesn't even look um, on the same aesthetic you know level as the other cast because a lot of times they put um they put us in outfits or, or costume choices that aren't even fashionable. Like we look drabby as hell and I don't like that shit, period. That's a whole <laughs> other conversation. Um, and then on top of that, this whole idea of, oh, I got to lose weight to be loved, not only by people in the creative work, but by people that are actually seeing the creative work being produced and televised or streamed. That's the whole double entendre that I'm not feeling either. Okay, so I have to lose weight so, so society can accept me on screen and the people on screen with me can accept me because I've lost all this weight. So 
as this pertains to me, I feel like, yes, um, white people do have privilege, but we do have the same issues, but the issues affect us more because we don't have the same resources. And even as a, even when it relates to something more medical, like going to the doctor, um, first of all, as a, as a person of color, a lot of doctors are not of color as well. So they don't even look like you when you step into the room. Um, so even that can cause a lot of tension on its own, but that on top of you being fat, regardless of your health, because honestly speaking, I have a relatively clean bill of health, regardless of my weight, they will still tell you to lose weight. Yeah. So, and, and they will not hear you at all. There's been times where I've been telling a doctor or in a hospital, like I'm in a lot of pain or something. And they would just completely disregard that and say, well, you have to lose weight. No sis, but my fucking stomach hurts. And we need to figure that out. So, <laughs> like, I'm not worried about that right now. As you can see, I'm good. I just want to know what's wrong with me. So at the end of the day, I would say that, it is completely different in that a lot of times we our voices fall on deaf ears because of how we look, not only from size, but from skin um, and skin color. And I just feel like, damn, sometimes I wish I had privilege where people would listen to me more so that I could help others and help myself. Because the only way that you can help yourself and sometimes is to have other people listen to you and then spread the word for you. And that's sad as a black person, but I feel like as people of color, we are always fighting for representation. And then we have to kind of wait for white people to be like, Oh wow, this is what you've been going through. Mm -hmm. And then they they channel that and funnel that into something bigger for us. And that's the issue I'm seeing, especially for myself, because it's like, wow, like why can't my voice be strong enough on its own? Yeah, I really think that the health perspective is really interesting because I think that is a lot of the pushback that is levied against fat activists. It's like there's so much. I mean, there's definitely rhetoric in kind of like the fat activist community of like there's no such thing as like a, you know, as a healthy weight or there is it or like, you know, the BMI index that we use is completely outdated based off of like a bunch of bullshit. Right. And so I'm really curious about where you fall on like because it is also on the flip side really difficult to like you know actually figure out what's true right from the mm-hmm. perspective of just like mm-hmm. you know we don't we as normal people don't have medical knowledge but we also understand Correct. that doctors like and you know medical professionals have all kinds of biases and you know, people don't study this in depth as much as they need to so I'm just curious around like what your thoughts are on like getting that access to healthcare that's actually you know trying to fulfill your needs you know Well, Isabel, it's funny that you asked that because my previous doctor, I can't see him now because I don't reside in New York City anymore. Um, When I first met him, um, his name is Dr. B because I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but we're just going to leave it there. Um, (laughs) um, And basically he said to me verbatim while I sat on that cold ass, hard ass table, "Um, Cheyenne, I'm going to be honest with you. In the medical community, we don't know shit about weight. He flat out, and that's, the, and that's the first time I ever heard that. And, I, and I'm sitting there puzzled. I'm, it's like I'm already frustrated because I have to get the class right after that because this is when I was in grad school. So I'm already like stuck in this weird, like I gotta go, gotta go mood. But then he slowed me down a bit, and I'm like, "What the fuck did he just say to me?" And I had a, I'm like, "Can you say that again, please?" Because that's a line. He's like, "Cheyenne, we don't really know shit about weight." So he went on to say, "You know." As doctors, we encourage people to lose weight because we're trying to see if there's a correlation between weight loss and better health. But at the same time, there are still some things that we don't really understand because there are people as yourself that have relatively good health, but that's just the weight is in question. And then there are people who are skinnier than you and their health is all fucked up. So he's like, you know, we don't really know. So that for me shows that a lot of it may be biased because if they're still trying to figure out what weight means in the grand scheme of things in terms of medicine, 
then why are we still trying to push this narrative of weight loss onto people? Now, me personally, from a personal standpoint, I don't have an issue with people losing weight because me as a fat person, I feel like I'd be at a disservice if I told a fat person that they were wrong for wanting to lose weight. Yeah. Now we can think about why we are trying to lose weight because there are various reasons. Some people will say health and some people want to do it because they want to get a a summer body or they do it because they want to feel better about themselves. But at the same time, my whole thing is you can lose weight, but you will still be a fat person on the inside because no one can take those experiences from you. Yeah. And who am I to judge you as a fat person? Because you're already being subjected to some level of shame from other people who society in society feel like you're not good enough because of your weight. So if you lose weight and I'm telling you you're fucking stupid or you're fucking crazy for losing weight, don't do that. Then I look crazy, too, because it's like I'm supposed to be supporting you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy that people, because it's something that is so much more visible than other types of like, you know, health things, like people feel so much more entitled to be able to comment on it than, you know, say somebody who who has like, you know, uh, some other kind of less visible health condition or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I feel like there's, yeah, rhetoric around weight loss can be so coded but hmm. not not even coded well right it's like thank you <laughs> it's like someone thank you. it's like someone i remember i so in in college i was a lot heavier than i am now and and you know there's it's the reinforcement that you get like as you're losing weight and i wasn't even doing it intentionally mm-hmm. i just like i just like started working out right and like as a byproduct was losing weight and Right. The comments that you get is like, oh, wow, you look so great, whatever, whatever. And that gets a really kind of mm-hmm. fucked up reinforcement of I, I, and I don't even think people are like realize it when they do it. I like, don't oh, either. man, I'm like, oh, man, you've lost so much weight. You look so good. Mm-hmm. And and like the, you know, the line of reinforcement behind that is kind of really, really kind of sinister when you think about it. Correct. Um, because I, I me personally, again. I can be a bit cynical at times and there have been times with even within my my weight journey or my body acceptance journey where I've been feeling like, well, fuck everybody. I think everybody's fat phobic. But then I sit back and I'm like, well, I can't call everyone fat phobic because there's times where I've been fat phobic towards myself. So I have to acknowledge that, too, in my process of being an activist, because you can't be an activist without first acknowledging your own privileges and your own biases because we all have them. So me personally, I feel like. So what you said, yes, I feel like a lot of people don't even realize that when they're encouraging you to lose weight, that it's really negative. It's not really positive because, again, it's, it's not really it may reinforce your reason as to why you want to lose weight, because people are giving the attention that you've been seeking as a fat person. But when you sit back and really think about it, it's like, OK, but you wasn't telling me this shit when I was not doing any of these things. So is that even genuine to begin with if you're encouraging me to do something that other people want me to do? Mm hmm. Yeah. And it encourages a lot of, I think, also pretty unhealthy behavior because like I, I, right. I definitely know people who like have had periods where they've had like disordered eating and then they got so much positive reinforcement for that. Mm -hmm. Everyone was like, oh my God, you look so good. As opposed to being like, oh, are you okay? Like, you you know, do you need, you know, support or like, do you want to talk about this? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I felt that way when I was getting into like, when I was like, I've like flirted with like apps like MyFitnessPal, right? And yeah. and when you like, I I quickly learned about how when you kind of gamify health like that, <laughs> uh, things can get really like fucked up really quick, right? Yeah. Like yes. you start to like you start to like think about, or at least I started to think about, okay, 
like how many calories is this piece of food going to give me and can i afford them right can i like am i gonna like have i worked out enough to justify eating these calories or whatever right and then and then it quickly turned into like i was like like within you know weeks of using my fitness my fitness pal it quickly turned into me just like oh i'm gonna skip lunch because it's like it's just easier to come in under what i need to come under you know or like or like oh i'm not gonna like i want to go out with my friends tonight and have a couple beers so i'm like i'm gonna eat less today right Mm -hmm. and and it's like and for me I, i had to take i had to take a step back and really realize like oh shit like this is kind of the onset of an eating disorder (laughs) like like, if i keep going down this path and like denying myself food when i'm hungry like like this like that's what we're what we're and like it it just it was kind of shocking to me because i'd never really considered myself as quote-unquote a person that would have an eating disorder right right and like that like gamifying it is so much of like actually what makes a lot of those companies right like i was listening to a Mm -hmm. podcast about fitbit the other day and they were like Mm -hmm. we started realizing that like having a pedometer or whatever was not actually that big a deal it was all about creating a social community where you like like make all your stats public and you talk about how many steps you you know you you had today right and how much like you know how many calories you burned or how many like whatever right and like that's the thing that really gets people into using your app or your device or whatever it is but like then it's sort of like is that really a good thing because like they're framing it as okay we're making health into this like social thing and that'll make people so much healthier and it'll be so much better and like but what implications does that have right for like the the negative side of like the shaming side of things and like Mm. trying to like one up like offices will have those like you know step competitions and stuff like that and as if it's like totally normal right and again even gamifying like you said it it really feeds into like this competitive streak because even now low-key i'm in this like walk a mile a day um challenge with my friends on nike run club and again i'm all for fitness because i feel like you can be fat and fit and people don't realize that because i actually love going to the gym i love exercising I, I, I do try to lead a pretty active lifestyle and not to lose weight, but just to be active. And if weight loss comes from that, then I mean, I don't, there's sometimes you can't really affect that. That's not really my choice. It's just me wanting to be active. But even I'm like, oh, wow, I'm feeling some type of weight because I'm kind of slacking as opposed to everyone else or in terms of how, how this app is. And I'm like, oh, wow, maybe I need to fucking pick myself up and do something and kind of like outdo someone else. But then I'm realizing, is it because the app is kind of trying to prompt me to do that? Or is it because I'm still feeding into these feelings of, I don't feel good enough about myself. I need to do better so that I can look better type of thing. So those are things again, that where I talked about how um, 2.5% of the time, I don't always feel good about myself. um, That might be feeding into that percentage. But other than that, I do agree. And I feel like gamifying it really can make things very disturbing very quickly and you don't even realize it because it's like okay it feels like a game it doesn't really feel real but then your situation becomes real as you can see the results that are coming as a result of feeding into this game type of you know energy yeah have you ever had any uh, romantic partners like comment on your weight or like try to like try to encourage you to work out or anything like that. Shall? <laughs> Yandre. Okay. My last partner, actually, he was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, my last partner, he was cool at times, but then there were times where he wanted to like do this health kick thing because he was trying to be healthier for himself. Um, he did 
I think he did judo. He did judo. So um, he wanted to be fit so that he can throw people all across the fucking room. And I'm like, okay, you do you, sis. That's great. Um, <laughs> but then he's like, you know what, Cheyenne, why don't you join in too? And I'm like, well, what you mean? I'm already working out. Like I do stuff for me. He's like, well, I don't know. I just feel like you're not doing enough and that you could do more and that, you know, I want you to, we should do this thing where you share your food with me and, you know, I see what you're eating and you can see what I'm eating. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. What's, what's all this craziness? <laughs> hold your fucking horses, sis, because this is not the type of rodeo I'm trying to ride into. Like, no, how no long, sir. Do you know how long you've been dating at that point? Like, how long have I been dating him? Um, so I dated him for all of seven or eight months and that was mm. about month four or five so we were at the midway point a little bit beyond the midway point and he pulled that rabbit out of the hat <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i remember um i've had i had two like my first two partners both at some point were like um they were like we like love you the way that you are but i'm worried about like our longevity like i want to be able to uh-huh. have like a long life with you and like I'm worried that you're gonna die early. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh-uh. And I was like, you playing DeAndre. And the wild I'm not playing. The wild part uh-uh. is that like before like these are the things that before, you know, I knew I kind of quote unquote knew better or knew about, you know, like mm. sort of like, you know, like the loving your body movement and trying to untangle like value judgments from people's weight. I was like, mm. damn Ma, you right. You know, like I believe, I believe that shit. <laughs> and like, and like, and and yeah, and it was. I just remember. I will always remember those things because I they're like one of the things that I look back to and be like, that was kind of fucked up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I and I I also think you kind of highlighted this but the the misconceptions around you know like stereotypes around fat people i think like one of the the biggest ones is that like fat people don't work out right right fam (laughs) it's like like i feel like most of the larger people that i know in my life do like actively work out and like like like, fam this is just the body this is what i got (laughs) this is just it bro I mean, I was listening to your podcast episode about like kind of representation of fat people in like erotica and mm-hmm. like, um, and I'm really curious to hear like, like when you talk about like having more of this representation, like we actually had an episode that was on representation of like Muslim women in the media. Mm-hmm. And I feel like obviously we would all like the ideal situation would definitely be like, we lived in a world where, you know, fat people were writers and producers and porn directors and were able to Correct. like, you know, just be able to, we were able to kind of live in that world where you don't even have to rely on like all these other people to like get that same narrative out there. And like, it would right. just, you know, it would just be out there, right? Do you think though that like, because we have the internet and there's somewhat of this kind of democratization of like the media, that that has been helpful in being able to kind of like get people's, like get more ideas of, you know, what looks normal and what, you know, what kind of representation is out there um, in kind of the public sphere? Well, 
part of me feels like it's positive and part of you feels like it's still fucking stuck. I think that it's, it's positive and negative positive because we have made some strides. We have seen some fat people do some good things. We've seen some fat people actually really shine and really get their, their spotlight. For example, Lizzo love her. She's also a black woman. Um, she's not the size that everyone would want her to be. Um, she doesn't fucking care. I'm like, this is great. But even her, I feel like there's a lot of slack and pushback that she gets because it's like, oh, you're fat. Oh, you're black. Oh, you're not promoting a healthy lifestyle. When in fact, when you look at Lizzo, she plays the flute. She sings. She dances. She does all this acrobatic shit on on stage. Like, clearly she has to be fit to do that. So again, like you said, DeAndre, it's just the body, but a lot of people, fat people work out. But in terms of producers and people actually putting representation onto media platforms. It's not just about the producer and the creator. Cause you know, work never stops there. There's always someone higher that you have to kind of appease to and pitch to in order for things to be televised, seen or streamed or even heard. So it's really that we don't have, not only do we not have enough people that look a certain way or look like me doing work, it's the people that are sitting in these boards and sitting on these production higher up teams that don't really represent us. So until we have everyone sitting at every table doing this type of work that pro- that produces changes where we can see more and more fat people, primarily fat women of color or fat black people on screen, we're not going to really have the progress that we need. And until then, when they do have those types of representations, they will always be the same cookie cutter representations of, oh, I'm the fat black best friend that's comedic relief that never has a love life or a storyline outside of the fact of me looking stupid on screen because I'm fat and black. Or we'll have representations of, oh, my, I have to lose weight to be loved. Or, oh, he only likes me for my body. He doesn't like me for anything else. So until then, we will not have the real genuine stories that we need to show or hear. And that's a disservice to not only creatives and creators, but it's a disservice to people looking and listening to these things. Because in order to be a good creator, you also have to be a good listener and a good, and a good um, viewer. So if you can't even see it, you can't make it. It's hard for you to make it. How do you think we get there without like a lot of this tokenization that you're talking about where it's like really difficult to be the first anything, right? It's it's like difficult to be the first like woman on like in like a computer science department. It's difficult to be the first, right? How Correct. do you have any thoughts around like kind of ways to get there with like the least possible like kind of damage? No, you can't do it without damage because it's already damaged. There's no way. Like, honestly speaking, people, this is the thing. People are so engrossed with this idea of, oh, I got to get my coins. Oh, I have to get my money that they don't say no. And we really, first and foremost, we need to stop letting people do shit to us. And we need to say, you know what? I'm not doing this. It makes me look stupid. It makes my community look stupid. This is not a real representation of who I am as a person or people who are supposed to look like me. So I think, number one, we have to say no. And, and the more no's you have, I think, creates the more opportunity for pushback. Like, again, we I, and I'm glad that we have protests for um, Black Lives Matter. I think we need to start taking that type of format where people need to start saying no to shit and start really protesting actively, whether that means I'm not showing up for this audition because it's not going to make me look good, whether that means no, I'm not going to write on the show because I know it's not going to make me look good or my community look good. We need to start there. The second thing is we need to start making our own stuff. 
and building up our own communities. Because even within communities, there are still people that do not support people within that community, which is a problem. Because if you want visibility, you have to also help your friend have visibility too. So you telling you your friend no in that instance is also you telling yourself no because it's like, okay, I don't want them to do better than me or I don't, I don't want them to, to think that they're going to get far because they're not. You can't have that mentality. We all are being afflicted by the same disease in this sense and we need to work together to fight against it. Right. And, and like amplify put, each other's voices and, and each other's narratives. Yeah. And like put you know, like directors or like casting directors, like on blast when they, Correct. when there is Thank like you. a character that's written or like, you know, that like, that does seem kind of fucked up Thank and that kind of, and that kind of happened with, oh man, I forget the name of the movie. Queen and Slim. Queen and Slim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, Isabel, did you, do you remember the Queen and Slim controversy? Were you on top, on, on top of that? Well, no, this isn't, I, I isn't related not. to <laughs> fatness. It's more related to blackness, but Queen and Slim was um, a film that was made by Lena Waithe, who was mm-hmm. um, on Master of None with Aziz Ansari. And um, the, I, the movie, I think, got really good reviews. I actually didn't see it, but um, on it's the back good. end, yeah, I, I, I hear that it was really good. On the back end, the casting call for Queen came out, um, who was the, the black lady lead. And it was just like... It was just like some wild shit. Like it was like it was like Queen is like dark. If she were a slave, she mm-hmm. wouldn't she would have worked in the field and not in the house. Mm-hmm. Like it was just some weird shit like that. And and it's wild because yeah. like this movie was like created and directed by this black woman, but I think that like it was like her white casting director that wrote out of this casting call. And yeah, just like just wild shit like that. And I think that it, it did come to light and people were pissed about it. Um, I don't know, you know, and I, I don't know in the situation what else, like what more is necessary because the movie I think was really good or did get like positive reviews about its representation right. of black people. Um, but yeah, I think that like, yeah, like really start like shedding, like pulling curtains on the stuff that's happening like behind the scenes in media like yeah like on the writers rooms and the casting calls and things like that yeah from my understanding casting calls are always terrible <laughs> like that like they'll have things like oh like you know this woman must be a double d like blah 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 and it's just like what how is this like this sounds so regressive it does not sound like this is yeah. was written in 2020 you know <laughs> uh, and i I guess it's just like yeah it's less in the public view and you wouldn't see those kinds of things unless you were like yeah. an actor who right. was going out for these casting calls yeah. and right? I do get that like you know people have visions for what they want you know like their characters to like look like and people portraying them to look like but right. I think it's also important for like creatives to question like the reasons why they want the characters to be or look a certain way and Correct. Like, whether or not it's you know an essential part of the story or whether it's just like some like bias you have in your head as a creator (laughs) right yeah well i mean i think it also even starts before the casting at like the screenwriters right because then you also have this issue of like i'm sure there are not very many you know fat no there's not many of because i (laughs) screenwrite too there's not many of us 
no. Yeah, exactly. And it's the kind of thing where like, there's also like really uncomfortable when you have people who are not of that identity, like writing those types of characters. Cause I'm sure a lot of the time it's like based off of a lot of stereotypes and like, you don't really know that person's experience. So it's hard to write right. those kind of characters. Right. So on the one hand, it's like, you want to, you want people to start being more imaginative with the types of stories that they're telling and stuff like that. But it's also just like, how do you get more people in right. the door? Right. And I think that's a question that we and that's a question know. that we'll always be asking, even if we have the answers, it's still you can have the answers, but not have the solution. And that's pretty much where we're at now, because people don't want to provide those solutions. Right. Because you would think that I guess like, you know, if you if you it would be much easier to be a screenwriter, you know, who is like insert whatever, like black, fat, like whatever. Right. Right. Because it's not something that you see, no, it's not. right? And so it's not like people are immediately like judging you when you go in for an audition as much as like, you know, as for other types of roles that are more kind of public facing, right? right. Yeah, that's real. So we just got to make it happen. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. Definitely. Right. And it seems like, you know, like we're seeing progress slowly and surely, but mm-hmm. seeing progress is never a reason to stop pushing for progress. So Cheyenne, thanks for being on the show so much. Thank you um, so for having me so much, DeAndre and Isabel. <laughs> um, I'd love to close with talking about one way or a couple of ways that you're keeping sane during the quarantine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or, if, or if you're or if you're keeping sane generally. Okay. Um, well, the first one is it starts with an E and it ends with an S. Edibles. That's number one. <laughs> Number two, um, a lot of anime, shit ton of anime, mm. um, a lot of good music. Uh, so I, I'm really in love with this band called Beach House, one of my favorite bands ever. So That's I listen good. to them all the time on repeat because that just helps me be sane. Um, what else helps me? Um, my cat, um, having access <laughs> to my family because my family lives in the same building as I do. Um, oh, nice. That's and cool. just making, and just writing and making content. Like I'm a creative person at heart. So I just felt like, you know, what better way to kind of keep me afloat than get back to my roots and actually really foster my love mm-hmm. for, for making things. Nice. I saw Beach House Live at Bonnaroo like three years ago. Really? How were they? They were great. Great show. Okay. No, no I need complaints. to see them live. Again, <laughs> Corona has um, kind of fucked up everything, so my dreams are slightly crushed, but yeah. hopefully Dude, in the future I, I can. I don't know when, like, I wonder when concerts are going to be a thing ever again, you know? Like, it's they like, said, how long like 2021, 2022, after they get a, a vaccine. Damn. <laughs> but then, Damn. what if something else comes up? Then what the fuck are we going to do then? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like no, we're happening? all going to have to do those drive in movie theater concerts now. That's that actually be, the new be pretty thing. dope, though. Yeah, yeah, well, one of our, one of DeAndre and I's like favorite artists is doing that right now. <laughs> yeah. What is the Charlotte show? His Mark name is Mark Rubier. Yeah, his name is Mark. His name is Mark Rubier. He does like, he like has a, a giant like mixer on stage with him and he like makes beats and like improvises like and like makes music as a show. And it's like oftentimes funny music. Sometimes it's like actual music. Um, He's the most soulful white dude I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, but um yeah he's doing he's doing the first like i think it literally is the first drive-in like movie tour of quarantine or drive-in concert tour of quarantine that's pretty dope 
It is cool. Um, I think I, I want to go see him, but I don't know. I think we I think we just didn't. It might be too late. We need to check in on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Oh, and real quick, what show? What animes are you watching right now? Um, so I just finished re- rewatching Eureka Seven, which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna try to pick up Gintama again. It's not my favorite, but I'm trying to get into it. Uh, everyone's um, telling me about my life as a slime. Um, so mm. I'm going to check that out. That Parasite. Um, I've watched Sham- Samurai Shampoo again for like the fifth time. Oh, man. Um, I'm rewatching Cowboy Bebop right now. Oh, actually, I have a Cowboy Bebop tattoo. <laughs> nice. Right here. Yeah. It says <laughs> Space Cowboy. It's one of my favorites. Dude, actually. I've been thinking about getting the CU Space Cowboy tattoo for a long time. But anyways, I you feel should like get it for sure. I, no, seriously. I feel like I feel like so many people have it, though. And like. <laughs> I'm kind of a tattoo hipster. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, cool. For sure. Well, uh, why don't you uh, take a second just to plug whatever you want to plug? Okay. Um, well, everyone stay tuned for Weighted Words Podcast. We're coming out with another episode very soon. Um, you can find that on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And that's pretty much it for the places that you can find it. I'm trying to think what else. And y'all can find me at underscore mocha hunts is 14 that's underscore m-o-c-h-a-h-o-n-t-a-s 14 and that's on instagram and on twitter y'all might not see me much on twitter but you can still follow me there too because i do pop in with a few gems here and there when i'm fucking pissed off at something so <laughs> there you have it <laughs> beautiful um and as always if you heard anything you liked or you didn't like um please follow us or hit us at i'm the villain pod that's our twitter our instagram and our gmail um other than that Bye.